Hello, and welcome to ECNM On Air, a podcast series from ECNM Magazine that shares industry intelligence, insights, and opinions on all topics electrical. I'm Ellen Carson, editor in chief of ECNM, and I'm here with some industry experts today from Mr. Electric to talk about the ins and outs of the residential and commercial electrical service business. Specifically, we're going to talk about latest trends, what you're seeing in the industry, and especially uh, topics related to safety, installation, and new technologies. ECNM On Air is one of the many benefits available to our members only portal, which offers exclusive member benefits and premium content that's hand selected by our editorial team. If you're interested in finding out more, you can register on our website, ecmweb.com, in the drop down menu under premium content. And if you're listening on a podcast app, please check our website for the links mentioned in this podcast. You can find it in the premium content area. So I'm going to let our guests introduce themselves. We have Joel Worthington and Ben Colo uh, to tell you a little bit about them, themselves and their roles at Mr. Electric, and then we'll jump into the discussion. Joel, would you like to start? Sure. Thank you, uh, Ellen. Uh, I'm Joel Worthington. I'm president of Mr. Electric. I've been uh, in the service industry for 16 years. I've been with Mr. Electric for 13 of those years with various roles. I've been president for eight years and uh, enjoy working in the service industry with all the great uh, service professionals and uh, industry folks out there. Okay, great. Uh, hi, uh, Ellen. Uh, thanks for having me on today. My name is Ben Colo, and I own a Mr. Electric franchise here in Des Moines, Iowa. I've uh, been in the electrical industry for 32 years now, uh, and we, uh, we operate a, a good-sized Mr. Electric here and, and uh, have been fortunate enough uh, to, to be in the service sector for 13 of those years of, of the past years. And Ellen, I make my make mention that Ben is our franchise of the year for 2021. Oh, wow. 2020? Yeah, so they've done a great job growing their business and uh, and that we have over 200 uh, locations throughout North America, most of those in the U.S. And, and so that's a quite an honor for Ben to um, have done that in the big city of Des Moines which yes. is not that big of a city. So uh, he's doing right. a great job for us. That's wonderful. Um, could you, Joel, could you talk a little bit about just kind of how that's structured? You said it's all across the country. Do all the franchises work in residential and commercial or are some of them, you know, lean more one way or is it split? You know, how does, how's that all set up? Yeah, I think the latest uh, study of how we're split is about 70, 30, 70% residential, 30% commercial. We have any leanings is that that um, some lean heavily towards residential and don't do a lot of commercial at all. Uh, we've got the folks that are from the industry that are that were electricians before coming on board with Mr. Electric, maybe ran a company like Ben did, um, who sometimes have more of a 50-50 type split. But most of the guys who come on board start up a Mr. Electric from scratch, lean um lean pretty much towards residential okay great because we have listeners in all the different areas so definitely residential and commercial are big among ecnm listeners and readers so let's just go ahead and start with some trends maybe if you could speak about um you know that kind of goes along with your most popular services or what your residential and commercial customers are wanting um what are the big trends you're seeing over the last i know it's been crazy couple years so um we've 
the trends have probably changed. So what are you seeing right now maybe and what are the big things you see going forward? And maybe split it up, talk about re residential first and then commercial, maybe a good way to organize it. Yeah, I'll, I'll speak to that. Um, some of the residential trends uh, have been toward uh, electrical vehicle chargers. Uh, we've seen a, a large uptick in requests for whole home generators. That's been a big thing. Okay. Uh, and LED lighting, both in residential and commercial, continues to be a big driver. Uh, once they figured out colors uh, and we got rid of that retina piercing super bright LED and, and got the warm ones, uh, we saw homeowners really jump on uh, to using those, those type of fixtures. Uh, so LEDs, EV chargers, uh, there's, there's requests for solar, but that's more of a niche market. Um, they use us to do a lot of their work, not actually put panels up. So okay. that's the majority of what we're seeing. Are you seeing that more in the new construction or retrofits or both, like for, for homeowners, like existing homes or new homes, both? So on new, on new homes, 95% uh, of the fixtures that are put in are LED fixtures now. And for uh, commercial, there's, there's enough benefit uh, out there for tax reasons and rebates that 100% of the lighting going into commercial is LED. Uh, and then on the EV side, uh, there are now, I, I think last I checked, there were eight municipalities or states that are requiring pre-wiring for electric vehicles. Uh, and there's, um, you know, we're looking at 30,000 electric vehicle charging units that need to be put in by 2030 on right. the, the latest guesstimates. Okay. Yeah, that's definitely going to be huge. We've had some readers write in asking about that as far as, you know, how are you training your people, I guess, on, on the electric vehicle charging infrastructure issue? Because that's so new and a lot of the customers probably don't understand it. They don't know what they need. They may not understand how big the cost is going to be to get that all set up. Um, you know, there's so much uncertainty there. Uh, you're, you're definitely right about that. Uh, we've kind of settled into a couple things on the EV side. Uh, a lot of uh, manufacturers, well, I know Chevy is uh, supplying a charger. Uh, it's not a charger you want to use uh, for your vehicle if you're buying one. Uh, there's there's two, three levels of chargers. Mm -hmm. And the first level of charger, uh, for instance, the new Ford truck, it takes about 14 days to charge your truck on that charger. Oh, my gosh. Uh, so the second level of charger is, is called a fast charger. It takes more power, um, mm -hmm. but you know, that's, you know, we can charge that truck in maybe seven or eight hours. Uh, and that uh, the smaller vehicles can be charged in four or five hours from a completely dead battery. So big difference. Uh, the, the public is uneducated about it as are the um, uh, salespeople. Uh, we've been spending time going around to all of our uh, car salespeople and saying, hey, the fast charger is really what you need to push. Uh, it doesn't cost $300 to put that in. It costs more like you know $1,200 to put that in minimum uh, right. and, and get people conditioned to what, what it's going to take to charge that car effectively. Right. And then uh, just you know, piggybacking on that, are you all looking into the more commercial EV situations, which would be more like gas stations who are now, or whatever, um, malls or wherever they're going to be offering these different charging stations. Would you do that type of work as well? 
Uh, we, our, our area would, we were fortunate enough to have a lot of uh, commercial uh, electricians in our uh -huh. shop. Um, that, that is another level of, uh, of knowledge that you need to have. We're talking about different voltages and different, different wire sizes. Um, uh, in, in my opinion, a really good commercial electrician takes about 10 years to develop, uh, whereas we can develop a, a really good residential one in uh, three, three to four years okay. in-house. Okay. Joel, we kind of dominating across... that. I'll let Joel talk for a minute since we've been dominating the conversation. Well, I was just going to say across the board, we are getting a lot of requests for multi-unit um, charging stations. So apartment complexes, hotels, various uh, um, of those that are wanting to put in four or five uh, units according four or five according to the size of it, right? But they, they don't generally want one for every space. They want um, a number of them hotels. And we've done, as Mr. Electric, we've been doing uh, electrical uh, charging stations for years. We've, we've uh -huh. uh, installed thousands and thousands of them across the country. Um, but yeah, big demand uh, for that uh, on commercial and residential. What we find with the dealerships is um, in most cases, they're not really interested in uh, educating the buyer about the charging station. Sure. They want to sell them a car. Uh -huh. And so they want to get the keys in their hands and have them drive their car home and the yeah, figure it the out later. Customer, that's right. They literally have no idea. So you really want to be poised uh, when you're going to their home to look at that job because they may need a panel upgrade. They may have a, you know, a, a garage that's not connected uh, to the home that they're going to need to run power. Uh, extra power to it. It's, you know, there's a lot of possibility that they're going to be sinking a lot of money into their charging station that they didn't plan. So yeah, need a good customer service system and a lot of tact when dealing okay. with that. Okay. Uh, I, and I, let me just speak to some of the other uh, areas. And as you talk about trends, so over the last two years with uh, COVID, we've been moving home for a while, of course, out of the offices into the home. So we've seen a lot of upgrading in existing uh, homes. So lots of circuits for hot tubs, lots of outdoor lighting, wiring to, to sheds and, and different projects that are going on, uh, wiring for an, a home office, those kind of things. So the big question that uh, the trend right now is simply uncertainty. It's what's going to happen next. And unfortunately, my crystal ball, I broke it last week. So yeah. uh, <laughs> I don't. I uh, it's tough right now uh, to really know what's going to happen. Are we really going to go back to the office? Um, mm -hmm. Are we going to go back to the office and some companies are going to let you know, uh, white collar workers stay home and now everybody's going to want to go work for them and the other company, you know what I mean? It's okay. where we go from here is the, is the big mystery and, uh, and what's going to take place, of course, of the effect of uh, inflation, the effect of the war in Ukraine, supply chain issues, you know, what's going to happen with the economy. So those are all the big 
big mystery that that uh, makes 2022 another uh, crazy year that we're used to now, right? So we've had uh, two of them. Let's go ahead and make it three. So right. Um, speaking of challenges, um, so going into this year, have you all had any issues? Obviously, all of our readers write in like their biggest um, concern, their number one um, challenge is recruiting and retaining top talent. Now that's our, our readers are engineers, they're contractors and their plant facility uh, personnel. So, and that's across the board, everybody is seeing that. So um, I wanted to speak to, you know, what you're seeing um, from the residential and commercial service business, as far as, you know, recruiting your employees and keeping them, um, you know, what kind of climate it is now. And, um, and then we can talk about, I kind of like to get into, you know, the new generation of workers, because I've seen um, just some from some results from our surveys, we send out a top 40 and 50 survey every year. And there's just some really interesting findings in there. I, I kind of want to add in here after we get started on the labor shortage issue. Uh, acquiring skilled labor is our most difficult obstacle and has been for the past four or five years for sure. Mm -hmm. uh, we use, we, we use all kinds of methods to try to attract talent. We do job fairs. Um, I teach in an apprenticeship to get, to get access to people. Um, you know, we, we immediately respond to a request um, and, you know, we're pretty careful about our reputation as an employer. We, we want uh, people to want to come here. So reputation is super important. Uh, so we want to maintain that uh, and, it is it is just really tough. So most of our, our great guys, we, we train in-house. We, we spend a lot of time on that um, training in-house and to get to get what we want from them. Okay. Yeah, and across the board, we're seeing the same thing. Now, we're doing a lot of training. There's a lot of uh, tools out there. And the problem is most people don't know how to use those tools properly. So you have tools like CareerPlug, Indeed, uh, you know, all of the other job boards, uh, most, uh, most business owners do not know how to use those correctly and don't know the tricks. So we train on the tricks, uh, what you need to do with you. It's not just refreshing your ads, but you actually need to delete your jobs on a regular basis and then re-up the job, uh, so that the job boards see it as a new job, not just a refreshed job. Um, there's just all sorts of things like that, that we're, doing with training. We also signed a, um, an agreement, if you will, with the National um, Labor Board, I believe it was. Uh, I'm not the expert on this, but anyway, we're, we're doing an apprentice program, apprenticeship program. So what we're really focused on right now is growing our own. And one of the big parts of that is we can train them the way we want them. So uh, it really works out well. So our apprentice program is really taking off and we're modifying our system a little bit for some of the bigger shops uh, to help uh, make a better uh, environment for those apprentices to, to learn the trade. Speaking of environment, um, have you seen a difference in this? Um, they don't necessarily have to be younger, but just the new generation of workers who are entering the field. Um, do you see a difference in them? Just our recent top 40 survey, it seemed like a lot of the companies were uh, making comments about, you know, the workers are wanting, it's no longer just about salary or about, ben but the benefits are changing of what they're expecting and wanting. Are you seeing that as well? It's diff 
you know, it's hard in your business. Like you can't work at home. Obviously those guys have to be out there pretty much. Um, but are you, are they expressing anything new that you're seeing that they're wanting in order to be, you know, more fulfilled in their jobs? Yeah. Many of today's workers are, they're looking for a good, good wage, but other key considerations, uh, have started to shape a desire to work at a particular company. Uh, number one is culture. Culture is very important. Being part of a team working toward a goal uh, while fostering competition seems to resonate uh, with them. Uh, having a sense of purpose of what you're doing uh, is important, not just showing up at work. Uh, and, the, and some of the big ones are PTO and flexibility. Uh, nobody wants to work 70 or 80 hours a week anymore. Uh, mm -hmm. And then we've had our last two years, every single applicant that we've interviewed has asked if we have a retirement program and health insurance. Uh, not that they were expecting it, but, they, but they're asking about it where uh, a few years ago, they didn't really ask about Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, I was just at a, a conference uh, with someone who's done uh, quite a bit of study on the uh, new worker class, if you will, younger millennials, you know, next generation, uh, and COVID, the effect of COVID also has really uh, changed a lot as far as should we go back to the office? What do employees want? Um, and it really is across the line with, with what we're seeing with electricians as well. And, it, and he described it in, in one word, and it's not that they don't want to go to the office today, they want to go to the office or they, you know, want a certain amount of PTO or, or whatever, what they want is freedom. Um, and I think that really speaks for the younger workforce. Uh, my son uh, just went into, he works for a company that doesn't have paid time off. Um, they don't have a PTO policy. Mm -hmm. And so COVID has put back uh, his sister's wedding in Scotland for a couple of years. And, uh, so anyway, we're the we're going. He wants to go with us for two weeks. We're going over to see his sister in Scotland, doing a lot of cool things. So he knew when he went to put in for his time off that he was going to be denied. Right. So today he went to put in for his time off. They said, "Well, sorry, we you know we can't let you go for that long." And he said, "Okay, well, how shall we proceed? Because I'm going." Right. <laughs> and uh, I mean, yep. this is a 20, 28, 28 year old guy with bills to pay. Mm -hmm. Um, but he's, he's going on the trip. So they were like, uh, they were a little taken back and said, you're, you're going on the trip anyway. And so anyway, I think that that describes the, the younger working class. They, they're going to have their freedom. They want flexibility. They want benefits. They want a 401k. Um, and they want to have meaning in their lives and meaning to their work. So, yeah, I, I think you definitely hit that the nail on the head there. Um, so are you seeing, um, increased demand kind of going back to the home office, um, concept you, you brought up people moving from the larger Metro areas out to the suburbs or rural settings. Um, and is that affecting your business at all? I would think it would as, as far as residential business goes. Yeah. So for sure that's happening. And I think the statistics will back that up. Uh, also, you've got the issue with uh, new home inventory uh, is has been low since 2000, well, what, 2014 or 12, something like that after, uh, after the overbuilt 
where our stock is down, inventory is down. We haven't caught up yet, but now with supply chain issues and rising interest rates, uh, uh, construction, new home construction actually, I think, slumped uh, last month. Um, so they're slowing down on that. Now, what is that affecting? It uh, should be affecting uh, uh, existing home sales. So uh, people are settling for existing homes. Uh, that does coincide with the move out of the city. Um, and those, um, those buyers generally need remodeling. So we, we market to new home buyers. That's part of our strategy is to market to um, uh, people that are, that are moving. And uh, because most of those moves come home, uh, along with remodels, and of course, uh, even the putting it up for sale, you know, a lot of times you need to get some things uh, up to date. So definitely seeing that. And then uh, again, coinciding with all of that is the, you know, the, the stay at home, you know, before COVID, we were the tiny house world, right? Everybody wanted to move into the tiny right the tiny house. Well, where are the tiny houses now? Because now people are wanting bigger homes, we're extending, we're, we're making, having additions. So we're selling bigger houses now because people want to enjoy their home right. uh, and stay home a little bit more. Again, the big question is what, ha what happens from here? Uh -huh. what, what does it stay the same? Do people continue leaving the, the city? And because of supply chain constraints and, and, um, uh, interest rates rising, uh, multi-home building is on the rise and multi-home renovations. Mm -hmm. So taking a lot of office buildings that are now vacated and turning those into multi-home units so that we can, you know, basically keep enough housing uh, available. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see where things go. Yeah, definitely. Are you seeing, uh, as far as the home technologies, um, lighting is obviously big and you mentioned EV charging and anything else that customers are wanting or that you're needing to educate them on that they don't, maybe they don't know they want it, but they do in order to, you know, achieve what their big picture is of their grand home office or whole home, uh, smart home, let's say. That's a multifaceted question. We've, we've definitely seen an increase in uh, off home office improvements. Okay. Uh, you, you mentioned better lighting. People need more receptacles. Now they've got a printer in there uh, and maybe a, you know, a laptop and, and they want to keep their, their computer charged and their phone while it sits there. So um, surge protection uh, to protect that equipment because many offices sent expensive uh, equipment home and they wanted it protected. So surge protection was a big one. Um, and now that that home office is actually taking up a space as an office, um, people are saying, hey, you know, I kind of lost this space. Uh, so that loss of space is contributing to more basement finishes and more additions. In our area, we had a lot of three season porch um, additions that went on. Uh, we're not seeing as many of those. We're instead seeing a full addition to uh, gain some of that square footage back uh, that the home office is taking up. Um, so, and then the, the things that are piggybacked off of that is now they're fixing, uh, dinner in their, their own kitchen, the old lighting, they don't like it. Maybe they want a, a pendant light that looks cool or they want better lighting in there. So some of these old fluorescent lights are, are being removed and we're adding more lighting so you can see, 
Uh, also in living rooms, you know, maybe they want to move some air, they add a ceiling fan. It, it's affected um, a lot of different parts of a home um, because people are just having to spend more time there. Right. And it seems like, um, you know, like Joel was saying, we don't know what's going to happen with inflation and all these things. And if the interest rates keep going up, uh, do you think that the um, the retrofitting pro projects are going to be more popular than the new home buying? Because people are going to say, well, I want to do this, but I can't afford to move. So what can I do to my existing home? Or maybe in commercial too, like I can't afford to move to this new space. So we want to make the space we're in the best it can be. Yeah, and we've seen, we've seen some commercial revamps too. I, I neglect, neglected to mention that, but there's people saying, hey, I got to stay here. We're going to put a fresh coat of paint on and some different lighting and, and make this look uh, mm -hmm. 2022. Right. I think we see a difference in the educated uh, education of the customer, if that's the right word. Um, so the ones that do research uh, who know that they can lower their energy costs by you know, do it going to LED, uh, those that do research or have a friend or a neighbor relative that got uh, connected home or home automation, whatever the, the word today is, um, you know, are more apt to want to go those routes. The others you have to educate. So like Ben can give us more, you know, if you put a regular switch in, you know, the switch costs five or 10 bucks, uh, what's a, what's a smart switch cost, man? Anywhere between 30 to 80, depending on what. Yeah. So, you know, putting in smart home, uh, technology, generally you're looking at the person that's done the research themselves, or they went over to their friend's house and he, you know, ran around the house saying, Hey, Alexa, right. turn the lights on, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. and they were like, I want that too. And, and they don't care what it costs. So it's a little bit different uh, as to where the consumer is on their journey of that. Okay, so how about, as far as you know, your employees go about um, you know, this digital age and all the smart homes and all the things we're, we're talking about, how are you integrating technology into your service calls, let's say, to maybe improve the customer experience? Well, uh, one big change, when I first started doing service, we had a three-piece um, invoice that we left a piece and we kept a piece and one got logged in the office. Uh -huh. uh, virtually everything we do is now paperless. Everything's on the iPad. Our pricing is, they sign off on the iPad. Our financing options are integrated to the iPad. Um, everybody has multiple photos, videos, information, that, that is critical for uh, customers to understand, hey, this panel is, is obsolete, it's a, it's a fire hazard, whatever. It's right at our fingertips, it's all on one device. Uh, and that all happens right in front of the customer. Okay. Uh, and, and, and they get emailed uh, either a quote or, or an invoice when they're finished. So completely paperless and immediately uh, they have it all. Do you find that they don't even know what they're wanting? Uh, oftentimes when you show up and um, like you say, you have to educate them. And so you're showing them all these things, but do you do any of that legwork up front or do you basically show up and just figure out what they need, talk to them and then educate them on what they do need? The legwork up front is, is important. And that's something we coached the CSR and the dispatcher on to set the table for things such as, hey, we're gonna inspect your home while we're here. We're gonna do a home uh -huh. safety check. 
Um, do you have surge protection in the home if you're using this as a home office? Uh, and some of those things that we see, you know, these are things we're doing a lot of. We'll ask if they have them. Uh, and sometimes they do a little research, but sometimes that creates some, some uh, you know, curiosity. So when we get there, we can, we can uh, get through it a little quicker. So absolutely, we do, we do prep them for that stuff. Have you done any of the virtual estimates? I know I wanted to mention that we did a, a podcast on that. Actually, I think it was our first podcast because it was right when COVID uh, started and some electrical contractors had started doing that to kind of just keep their business going. Um, and I'm not, I don't know if that has continued or is that something that people ask for? Is that even realistic? Go ahead, Joel. I know we've talked <laughs> about this. Yeah, so... Yeah, it's interesting. So I think we're, I think if we're, you know, to add to the technology, let me just add to the technology stuff from online booking okay. uh, to scheduling and giving people being able to help people know a time and date when you're going to be there and then constant communication throughout. So uh, the customer, we communicate throughout. So they get a text and email saying your, your job's been booked. Uh you know, once we assign that to a service professional, they get a text or an email that says, hey, Jimmy is, is coming and here's a little bit about Jimmy. Um, you know, once Jimmy's on his way, they get a text and email saying Jimmy's on his way. The cool thing about that, what we found is customers really like to communicate back through text. So we get a lot of text messages back from that saying, oh, my gosh, he's on his way. Hold on you know, I had something happen and I'm going to be 20 minutes late. Can, is that okay? But we have a lot of communication back with the customer through, through text messaging. So when we add the technology of, uh, you know, FaceTime and, and all the capability to video through your phone and talk through the phone, I think we have to uh, accept that we're going to have to have some form of quoting through video or whatever. We don't give quotes over the phone because mm -hmm. it's so misleading to the customer when you're trying to quote something when you have no idea what condition of an existing structure is, sure. right? So, but what we've, what we're experimenting with is number one, uh, giving them a broad range, saying that to do that particular job should be between X and Y and making that pretty broad. Mm -hmm. um, and then if possible, um, being able to, you know, show us in the, what we're looking, you know, go to the area of concern, whatever, you know, needs work and, and get us a video. But with the understanding from Mr. Electric that we are going to do a safety check when we get there, that we're going to need to evaluate, and this is very much an estimate. Um, so, but yeah, I think we need to do that for the for the future. I think um, I think if you're not, you're going to be left behind without getting any idea over the phone what what costs may be. Right. I know that's happened to me personally, just on a job, and you know, you have no idea what it's going to cost, and then they come in and then they say, oh, you know, it's the, and then if you prepare the homeowner, they're going to be more receptive to it. But if you just tell them right at that point, like, oh, this is going to be $3,000, um, you know, that's a little bit of a shock. So um, I think that's really smart. And it's interesting to hear that you're doing more with texting and all of that. Have you do, been doing that very long or how long have you 
been using that those kinds of things. Been doing use. texting uh, for probably a couple of years now. Most, I don't think most people are doing that. So that's that's good. That's a good point. Made it uniform across all the technology has been available, but we we basically made it uniform across all shops. Okay. Uh, so that it's not just our best owners; it's all our yeah. owners now. Uh, okay. Are, it's automated for all the Mr. Electric shops. So that's been going on for probably a year or so. Okay. And to take that one step further, um, our neighborly. Uh, our neighborly program has an app so they can actually schedule through the app That's right. and they have to make a phone call and it ties them together with all our other con our you know 17 18 20 whatever it is now other concepts in the home uh, right. so that's also very very handy nobody wants to make a phone call anymore i know my kids they're in their 20s and they won't call a restaurant even it's like <laughs> well call and order the food well no they have to do it on their phone and I, i'm that just always boggles my mind like just it would be faster to just call this place than to but you know I, that's the new way of doing things and you know you have to adapt i guess to to be successful and it sounds like that's what you're doing so that's that's awesome i think we're about um you know ready to close here we're getting kind of close to time um are there any big things to watch or we've talked about that a little bit or any big picture thoughts that you, you know, kind of want to end with to give our listeners and readers any kind of advice or, you know, just final thoughts? Yeah, I would just say the customer experience uh, as, as technology continues to change at the, I don't know if it's the speed of what, but it's, and it's going to just get faster and faster, right? Um, and so we just have to keep up and we have to keep up with the technological innovations and make sure that through the technology, the customer is at the center of what we do and we're, we're delivering the best overall experience that we can for the customer, uh, because that's what, that's what customers want. They want a great experience and, um, and they're willing to pay for that experience. Uh -huh. So they're willing to pay for somebody that shows up on time, that does what they say, that, that communicates with them, that does a, a thorough job. We do a thorough safety inspection when, uh -huh. on every call. We, right. we wanna do a safety checkup and we wanna let them know options. Um, so technology makes that easier, um, makes it uh, uh, better for the customer. To, to know what's going on in their home and, and have a lot more options. So let's say you got to keep up with the, with the technology, but never lose sight that it's a human being that we're dealing with and we need to give them the best customer experience. That's a great point. Um, it, it seems like too, that's how you would get repeat business, obviously. And in, in this business, that's a big, a big deal, right? Like once somebody's happy, they're going to use you again, and then they're going to tell their friends and you know, I'm sure you get a lot of business that way. Yeah, and, and just just to, I, what Joel said is exactly right. Uh, we run our businesses based on reviews that, that makes such a huge deal. So mm -hmm. it, it, it's obviously in our best interest to give that customer a high quality uh, service uh, experience. And it's the, the, the high quality of the service needs to match the technology going forward. And we, 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 we expect to do that. Do you have a way that they rate or do they have a survey or do you have something that they fill out or on this app or anything after the call? 
we have multiple touches after the call uh, internally okay. here. Our, our CSR will call you back when your job is finished within uh, 24 hours. We try to do it within two hours and there's a, a questionnaire. There's another automatic questionnaire that, uh, that uh, completes our net promoter score, which is a big deal to us and, and all the neighborly concepts. We're very cognizant of our net promoter score. Uh, and uh, right now we're, you know, we, we focus quite a bit on that. Uh, so yeah, there's multiple touches and, you know, we have, we have something called a done right promise. If, if something's not right, we're gonna make sure it's done right, uh, no matter what. Um, it's not some flaky guarantee that you put on the side of a box. It's, we're gonna take right. care of it, no That's matter what awesome. it takes. It's really good to hear. Why he's the franchise owner of the year. I was gonna say, I think I understand. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's the system. Yeah, it's automated for all of our for all of our shops to go out with the survey, but it's the system to call the owner uh, after the, the shop is done. And that's part of it, too. But it is automated to, uh, to go out and do a survey. And uh, and we look at Google ratings and that promoter score. So okay. we we ask four questions. The main question is, would you recommend us to friends and family? I don't know if you're familiar with that promoter score, but it goes from negative 100 to positive 100. Wow. I think our trailing 30 days is a 90. So we're killing wow. it. And we get a lot of surveys. Um, so wonderful. yeah, the, then that's network wide. I think our uh, six month is 87. Uh, so we want a great customer experience. So yeah, we you need to so. check up on that. So if you're not, <laughs> if you don't know what your customers are, thinking about you then uh kind of tough to know how to make changes uh in the future uh and if they give us a bad score then right. you know if it's one of ben's customers and they say something you know uh -huh. happened or give them a two they can pick up the phone um and call and say hey we're so sorry what happened you know what can we do to, to uh make this right so it's definitely in the details. It sounds like a lot more complicated than it than it looks. So thank you guys for explaining that to uh, all of our listeners. I think this was a great discussion. Um, it looks like we're about out of time. So I want to thank you so much to our guests for sharing their insight, industry knowledge, and experiences with us today regarding trends in the electrical service business. And in closing, I'd also like to thank our senior associate editor, Ellie Coggins, and associate editor, Mike, Michael Morris, for editing and putting these podcasts together, making this valuable information available to all of our readers and listeners. For more information, visit our website at ecmweb.com. This podcast is produced by ECNM Magazine, part of the portfolio of Endeavor Business Media Publications. Well, I think that's it for now. I'm Ellen Parsons signing off of ECNM On Air. Please let me know if you have any podcast topics you'd like to listen to in the future, and don't forget to check out the members-only portal on our website. Thanks and have a great day.